Amen. Sorry about that, Linda. I just got excited. I was going to come up here and continue on what I was telling the kids. And as I was sitting there thinking about it, I said, did y'all hear what I tell the kids? All right, well, then do that, and that's it. All right, I'll close in prayer now. No, but, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. That's going to be our text for today. You know, sometimes I think uh, it's easier talking to kids. They have a they have a, a easier time understanding some of the things, some of the concepts. I think we tr- tend to make things harder than what they have to be. When basic message of the Bible is to treat others well, forgive others because God forgave you, and uh, that will please God. But here for a little while, we're going to talk about and I've titled this sermon "Full of Grace." Let me ask you, how is your walk following Jesus Christ? As Christians, that's what our life is. We're called to be disciples, followers of Christ. But do you feel yourself growing spiritually daily? Or maybe you feel like you've stopped somewhere along the line. What's important that we are aware of our spiritual growth. Because the Bible says that we're to grow daily. God wants us to be like Christ, and that means that we must continue to grow spiritually. But do you ever feel like there's times in your life that it's okay for you to not act Christian or to not act like Christ? Do you become less Christ-like around certain people or maybe certain places you go or maybe certain situations or maybe when you're feeling certain emotions you feel like it's okay? not to be Christ-like. Where did we ever get the idea that we follow Jesus on our terms? We can't get up in the morning and make a decision on today I'll follow Jesus or today I'm going to do what I want to do. Because in Romans 12, verse 1, 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And to be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That renewing happens daily. Every day you've got to get up and you've got to make a declaration that I am not going to obey self, but I am going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm not going to say what I want to say or do what I want to do. I'm going to do and say the things that Christ did. And the older I get, the more I see the importance of these verses, that each day we need to make that conscious decision to follow Jesus Christ. God doesn't want his children going back and forth between what we want to do and what he wants us to do. Romans 5.17 tells us, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. Christ just didn't die to take away the sins of the world. He didn't didn't die just to take away our sins. He died to fill us with an abundance of grace so that we have the ability to act like him, to to live like him, to love like him, to care like him. The abundance of grace, God equips us to live a life pleasing to him. All the grace that God pours out into the believer It's not to just pour on us and settle and to fill us. It fills us to the point where it has to flow out. 
and to the world. So our text today says that we are to be ministers of grace. Let's read. Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 29. The Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let's pray. Your gracious heavenly Father, Lord, uh, Lord, we ask now, Lord, that you're in the midst of us here today and you speak to our hearts, Father. Open our eyes and let us see. Open our hearts to what we know is true in your word. And Lord, help us to be your servants, your children who please you. Father, we know it's hard. This life is hard. And, and, and we're filled with all kinds of emotions and all kinds of ideas and thoughts that go through our head. But Father, you give us the power and the renewing of our mind daily to be like Jesus Christ. Father, help us to learn what it will take to please you. Because, Father, that's what we want to do. Because your forgiveness means everything. And we don't want to continue in sin. We want to have that sin forgiven so that we can stand before you knowing what Jesus did to pay for that sin. And, Lord, we want to know how to serve you so that others can see that we belong to you. Father, we thank you and we praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Christians, we've been filled with grace. And to walk following Christ means that we're to pour out grace onto others, be ministers of grace. So what does it mean and how shall we live knowing that we are, have this abundance of grace and that we're to be ministers of the grace? Well, he tells us right here, and first of all, being full of grace means controlling your words. Look at verse 29 again. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We must guard our tongues because it is the great indicator of what's in our hearts. Matthew 24, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 12, verse 34 says, O generations of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes we say stuff we don't mean. Sometimes we say stuff and say, well, I wish I'd never said that. But when you say something, it reveals what's in your heart, the, the condition of your heart. Is it where it needs to be in following Christ? Or have you uh, slipped? Or maybe uh, not got up that morning and said, I, I, I declare today that I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I want the renewing of my mind. I want my heart to be filled with him so these things don't come out of my mouth. Our mouth reveals what controls our heart. Is it God's grace or is it our own desires? In James chapter 3, start with verse 3, the Bible says, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also uh, the ships which though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, 
yet are they turned about with a very small hymn, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a great member that boasts great things. Behold, how, my, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the heart, and then the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among the members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Sometimes we don't think things. I tell my children all the time that your words mean so great. You can say things to people. You can say something to somebody that you can't take away. That it's there. You, you've put it out there in the ether. And it's, it's there. And it's permeating in their mind. And you can change the way they feel about themselves, the way they feel about you. Words are very powerful. And the Bible here tells us that you need to control what you say. If you're full of grace, if you're living for Christ, then you need to have a, uh, a control on the words that you say to other people. Speaking grace to others must always come from a common ground. And that is found in knowing this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you ever get to the part where you think you're better than someone else, then you have to look at everybody as in God's eyes. And God looked down and saw everybody as miserable, worthless sinners. They were worthless to each other, worthless to anything, but he saw value in it. Why? Because he loved them so much, he sent his son to die for them. Not just me, not just you, but for everyone. Even those out there who don't accept Christ. Even those who don't believe. Christ still died for them. But the goal is to hope that one day they will come to realize how much God loves them. But they'll never see it if they see Christians talking to each other, talking to them with a mouth of fire from hell. He says, guard your tongue. Control your words. You cannot minister grace and talk down to people. You can't minister grace and speak hatred to someone. Our communication is not to corrupt, but to edify. How do we minister grace? I've always found that before you speak, you must ask yourself several questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it biblical? Is it necessary? And is it kind? If you can answer yes to all of those, then you say it. And God will bless. But if you can't answer yes to each one of those, then you're not edifying. You're not building someone up. You're just trying to tear someone down. And God says, don't do that. You're ministers of grace, not ministers of condemnation. It is easy to tear someone down. But God says to use his grace to strengthen each other. And God wants us to develop them connections with other people uh, so that we can further his love, his grace, and his forgiveness, and his mercy. And it is harder to build bridges that you burn down. That sounds very poetic, but I got that from a song. If you, if you stop me afterwards, I'll tell you what song it was, because it wasn't a Christian song. But the guy said it's, it's easier to, to build bridges it's harder to build bridges that you've burned down, that you've burned down. We must value the people around us, and we must know the value that God places on them. Second Peter 3:9 says, "The Lord is not slack 
concerning his promises that some men count slackness, but is long suffered us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is not for anybody to perish without Jesus Christ. God's value, God values all people, and he wants them to experience his grace, and he cannot do that if we're not ministering grace. Being full of grace means controlling our words and putting a high value on people. Second, being full of grace means that we don't work against the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we uh, live for self instead of allowing him to work through us. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. We belong to God eternally. It's proof that God has taken ownership of, his, of us. And it is that security and that eternal life that should fuel us to work for God to let other people see that they have no security without Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, uh, God gives us the works of the Holy Spirit in the child of God. It says... And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Why would we grieve the Holy Spirit when he is working in us to give us rest and wisdom and understanding? He's counseling us. He's given us his might, his power. He's given us knowledge, and he's given us the, uh, the ability to fear God, to stand in awe of his presence. The Holy Spirit keeps grace flowing through us and gives us all that we need to keep it flowing through us and out into the world. I think sometimes we read this verse and gloss over a very important part. Now, trying to make it clear to the children, our God has emotions. Sometimes we don't realize that. We don't think about that. We think about the deity, the supreme being, the creator of everything, the Lord of all, but he has emotions. Our actions, our words, our life can either please God or grieve Him. To please God, we must demonstrate our love for Him by sharing His Son with the world. And to do this, we must remove all of our characteristics that stop the flow of grace. The Holy Spirit will make it flow through us, but we have the ability to grieve it, to grieve God, to stop that flow. How? Look at verse 31. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We speak bitterness, an attitude which causes trouble with other people. In Romans 3.14 says, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. We can't love, we can't give grace if we're bitter. It also says we should put away wrath, uh, anger that bowls over to the point that it controls us. Put away anger. And not all anger is sin. In Ephesians 4.26 it says, Be ye ang angry and sin not. There is a righteous anger like the, when Jesus had when he cleared the temple. He went in and was angry at those people for, for cheating the people and, and changing the money and and taking advantage of people. And he overturned the tables and chased them out of the temple. He was angry because of that. But it was a righteous anger because he was clearing the temple, the house of God. And once he cleared it, his anger was over with. 
The anger that Paul speaks of here is a worldly anger, anger, a persistence. It becomes a part of our character if we let it, and it, it comes out in different situations where we have this anger spirit, angry spirit about it, where everything just makes us mad. It says put away clamor, commotion, and uproar. The children of God are not to be obnoxious, troublemaking people. Believers are to put away any argumentative attitude. Also, it says, put away evil speaking, slander, lies about other people, and attempt to bring them down in malice. Evil intent causing de uh, deliberate harm to someone. This is not what God wants us to be. None of these characteristics is found in the character of God. They're not in the characteristics of Jesus. You can read about it. He had none of these things. We cannot hold to any of these and reflect the glorious light that Jesus has put in us. And any of these can ruin your testimony in a heartbeat. And a ruined testimony is hard to get back. We must confess and repent and seek God's forgiveness. But just one of these will stop the flow of grace. And finally, being full of grace means that we must show others God's forgiveness. Look at verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God's grace gives us the ability to be kind to others, to be tenderhearted, to people's troubles, and to be able to fully give forgiveness. Children of God, how can we deny forgiveness to anybody, knowing that God's forgiven us? Knowing that we spend so much time living away from Him, and He come to us and took away our sins and gave us eternal life. Why? Simply because he loved us and wanted to. How can we, as children of God, deny anybody forgiveness for what they say, what they do? We can give forgiveness because as a believer, we've been forgiven through Christ. Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. That flow of grace comes out when we show people that we can forgive and forget and walk away and let it go. It's not enough to tell people about Christ. You must show them in your life his character. They must see Jesus working in you. Tenderness, kindness, forgiveness or attributes of him. These all come from Jesus and him alone. If there's any good in us, if there's anything that people that pleases people, if there's anything that, that people look at us and say, I would like to be like that, it's not us. It's Christ in us. It's that flow of grace. They're not looking at you and seeing who you are. They're looking at you and seeing who you represent. And if that don't scare you to death, then I don't know what will. If you know that people are looking at you to see who you represent, and you talk the way you talk that doesn't represent Christ, what's the point? What are you showing them? Our lives should be a sweet-smelling uh, Savior to God. Look at Ephesians 5, 2 and 1 again. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also have loved us and given himself for us, 
an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Understand that you are God's abundant grace. You are so full that it must pour out of you through our actions, through our mouth, through our love. We must control our words. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Show the world, show the world God's forgiveness as only we can because we've experienced the forgiveness that he gives. And when your life will be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God, pleasing to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know this was kind of a short message, but this is what God laid on my heart. Um, Sometimes I forget, I think we forget that the world is watching us. I read an article the, this past weekend, uh, just yesterday I read an article, this past weekend, this is a weekend. I read an article yesterday that said that pretty soon we'll, we'll, we're no longer the majority religion in America. Pretty soon we'll, we'll lose that. And I don't think that there's less Christians in the world. I think there's just less people committed to telling people what they want, what they are, and who they serve. We live in a society where it's better to hide, to keep your opinions to yourself. Because as soon as you put yourself out there that you believe in this or you believe in that, then the haters come, then the persecution comes. So we spend a lot of our time trying to uh, ride that fence, try to be camouflaged from the world to stop allowing the world to uh, see who we stand for. And in doing that, we, we move, lose sight of something very important, that we're to stand for Christ. We're, we're a vehicle of ministers of grace. We're to show the world that Jesus forgives sin, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He opens that door that we can go into the presence of God, and only him can open it. It's only a relationship with him that we're allowed to go. The church, we need to do a better job of being what God wants us to be, Christ-like. It's not easy. It won't work all the time. Because we're human, we're in this flesh, it's easy for us to do what we want to do instead of doing what God wants us to do. But it takes effort, it takes commitment, and it, keeps a, it may, takes a daily searching of ourselves to be what God wants us to be. Ministers of grace. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you now, Father, to admit that I'm not always Christ-like. And Father, I confess that to you now. I repent, and Lord, I ask your forgiveness. Because, Father, I want to be like Christ. Because I look out and see a lot of people dying, Father, and going to hell with no hope and no understanding of how important this decision of following Christ is. I see people who think they got plenty of time. I see people who are not worried about anything. But if they truly knew the condition of this world, the state we're in, that Jesus could come back at any time, Father. Time is quickly running out. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to be the, 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 the Christ that they see in this world. That you help me to be full of grace, ministering grace to the lost. Father, I pray for our church. I pray for all churches, Father. 
that it's no longer time for us just to sit by and see what happens. We have to be actively out there loving and, and speaking and, and giving and showing people Jesus Christ. Help us to do that. Father, I pray for those who are listening who don't know Christ. I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know him, that today will be the day they understand that time is running out and that you love them so much that you sent their, your son to die for them so that they would not have to die but have eternal life. It's so easy, Father, for us to see that who believe, but Father, you need to remove that veil, that, that cloud that they're in, that they think they're okay, and help them to see that one day judgment will fall, and you're either going to be a child of God or you're going to be lost. Father, I pray now for all who don't believe. And I pray for your children, Father, that we become what you want us to be. Praying, loving, going, ministers of grace. Father, we love you we thank you. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn of praise, He Touched Me. Thank you.